Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me I have Jenny DeRuder. She is a veteran injector of Botox and fillers and we're going to talk about all things Botox, fillers and other injectables, myths and facts. I was actually very excited to have Jenny come on my podcast because she is a nurse injector who has a ton of experience and she's going to answer all the questions that I've had pertaining to Botox and fillers. A lot of people are really afraid of this. A lot of people just dive deep into this and love it all. I personally never judge anybody because at midlife, sometimes, you know, we need a little zhuzhing up, right? So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I feel like, you know, unless you're going crazy and completely changing the person that you are, um, there's nothing wrong with it. And so Jenny debunks a lot of the myths out there and really gets into all of it. So it's going to be a great episode. Just a couple of very short announcements. I am taking on new three-month clients right now. I work with primarily women over 40, and I primarily work with women for three months because usually three months is the time frame that it takes to make that little change and that nudge in your overall wellness. So contact me, Sandy, at sandyknutrition.ca if you'd like to see if we're a fit to work together. I'm also a, like very active on social media, on Instagram, Sandy K Nutrition. I am on Facebook, Sandy K Nutrition. I am also, I have a private women's Facebook group, Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. You have to answer a few questions. It is moderated and it's just a very small group of women over 40 there. I, hmm, where else am I? I'm also on Twitter. I'm on TikTok and Pinterest as well. So you can find me in all of these places. And of course, lastly, it's really, really helpful to us podcasters if you go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. It helps us to be found, you guys. It's just really important for us to be able to secure more and more great guests. So with that, I'm going to cut on through to the interview with Jenny DeRuder from Briarwood Surgical Clinic. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have Jenny DeRuder. She is a registered nurse, and she is specialized in cosmetic injections for over 20 years. She is currently at the Briarwood Surgical Clinic in a clinic. This clinic is actually in Oakville, Ontario, which is not far from downtown Toronto. And I asked Jenny to come in and talk to us because, hey, most of the people who listen to my podcast are women in midlife, and they're curious. They're curious about 
Botox and fillers. And so we're going to actually get into all of this. And we're also going to cover myths and facts as well. So welcome, Jenny. I am so glad that you came and chatted with me today. Hi, Sandy. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, Jenny and I talk quite a bit because I do do a lot of things to keep my skin looking good and keep looking good at 51. And so I asked Jenny to come and speak because she has so much experience in this area. And so before I begin anything, I always like to ask my guests, how did you get into this? How did you, okay, we we know you went to nursing school, but how did you get into the cosmetic injection side? I know that's a, I get asked that question quite a bit because, I mean, the way a lot of the girls get into it now is certainly a lot different about how, how I was able to get into this. Back in 1998, I was um, hired with an aesthetic clinic and mostly just to do spider vein treatments. But this was way back in a time when Botox and fillers, we didn't even have any of the hyaluronic acid fillers at that time. We only had collagen, but we had Botox, but it was all off-label. So um, everything that we did, the companies couldn't market it. Um, There was no training for it as well. It was all sort of... Uh, training by experienced, uh, other experienced physicians. So I was here back in 1998 and then slowly as I was in this industry, the whole thing started to emerge more and more and certainly, uh, the more products became available, Health Canada approved them and I've been really fortunate to see my whole practice grow and develop with time. That's amazing. And so you obviously have an interest in this and you have a a lot of knowledge being in the industry for over 20 years. So the thing I find really fascinating, it seems like every corner you turn, there are these little pop-up clinics that don't have doctors and you can go and get cheap Botox. Like, what's that all about? I mean, basically, you know, how it's sort of regulated, I mean, to inject to the dermis is a controlled act. So any regulated healthcare provider, like a, it's not any regulated healthcare provider, sorry, like a registered nurse, registered practical nurse, as long as it's delegated by a physician or a nurse practitioner prescribes it, um, you can certainly inject the product. I mean, the issue is, I guess, is how much experience do they have? You know, is it their specialty? You know, is the injector on site at all times? You know, if there's a complication, can that be managed? Mm. Okay, that that's a good, that leads me to my next question. Okay, so experience. I think that's key here because I have heard some horror stories. So if, let's say I was somebody who was new, like what would I look for in somebody who's going to do Botox? Like, how, how do I know if it's a good place or not? Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, certainly, you know, upon consultation, you know, ask the person, the injector, how long they've been injecting for, you know, is this their specialty? I mean, this I think is a big issue for some of the clinics is, is that some of the injectors or the providers, it's sort of like a part-time job for them. So you, you kind of think to yourself, would you take your car, you know, to a part-time mechanic or would you take your car to a full-time mechanic? That's all they do is specialize. And then I mean, the other key thing as well is to, to look at the clinic 
clinic and look at the injector because you know, it certainly is an art and, you know, we all want natural outcomes. And so, you know, do you feel like this person that you're speaking with, that they, they would share in your vision in terms of being able to deliver the look that you're, you're trying to achieve? You know, do they have an artistic eye? Okay. That's important, I guess. Right. Because here, okay. Here's something I find really interesting because some clinics, and I hear a lot of women talk about this, some clinics you'll go there and the nurse or the doctor, whoever it is, they will not do what you want them to do. And they insist that you must do the eyes in order to balance the forehead, in order to balance the cheek. Like, I don't get that. Like, why? Why? I agree with you 100%. And so this is actually something that I personally feel like that I do a really, really good job of is listening to the client and what their expectations are. Because I essentially, you know, I can, I can alter and change my application of the treatments to meet their expectations. And, and, Yes, I have lots of ideas of things that I can do, but it's a big step when people come in to get Botox or to get fillers. And the most important thing is just to get trust, but also for the client themselves to sort of get knowledge. So I find, you know, that first treatment, I tend to sort of try to, you know, go a little bit lighter. Maybe let's do a little bit of Botox, not do fillers at that time. This is so in terms of people get kind of used to the industry and sort of used to what, um, what can happen. So, you know, some people want uh, like a baby Botox or they want less or they still want movement. So it's a mistake actually for an injector to impose their own view on that client. So you have to sort of be able to gauge a little bit, uh, you know, by listening to the client as to what they, what they want. Uh, well, I love that because um, I think everybody, you know, there's different, there's the Hollywood look and then there's the, Hey, I, I just want to look more refreshed look. Right. So I guess it depends on what you're going for. So and really, it's you who has to walk around with that face. Right. No, 100 percent. And to be honest, actually, I, there there's so many different types of um treatments or expectations and different people want different looks and typically what I find because I've been doing this for so long is that usually what will happen is an injector will usually attract a like-minded client you know and so you know a younger girl you know she might have a different idea different expectation you know so she'll she'll sort of gravitate towards that kind of injector who sort of has that same kind of vision Mm, that totally makes sense. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, you align with your client or patient, right? You have to align with each other. Otherwise, you're never going to feel comfortable with the outcome, right? Oh, 100%. Trust, like, trust is the biggest thing. Like, the the biggest compliment that anybody can ever give me is, is that they completely trust me, you know, and as time goes on, typically what happens is, you know, after we've been working together for, you know, a little while, you know, people, they don't even come in and say anything. They just, you know, do what you want, Jenny. You know, oh. I trust you because, you know, I would like our clinic in particular, we have a, an amazing reputation for natural outcomes. And we also, we're a medical clinic, so we're not, 
you know, we are um, advocates for the patients. And so we're not, we're not trying to sell, you know, we're not trying to upsell, sell. We're just trying to, to give people good outcomes and also to make sure that they're happy. So, you know, our, our goal is to do more the long game than the short game. Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, why do some of these clinics, okay, maybe this is where, hmm, maybe this is where the whole money-making aspect comes in. I don't know. Uh, but why do some of these clinics insist that you have to pay for the entire bottle? Like, let's say it's Botox and they're like, well, we need to, you have to pay for the whole boat bottle. So, you know, is this common where we live or is it just in Europe or is that all over? I haven't actually really heard that, to be honest, because I would think that the majority, well, I shouldn't say that, actually. I would say on average, the majority of clinics charge per unit, but there are some clinics that they sort of try to keep it a secret. So the client doesn't even necessarily know how many units they're getting, where they might just charge by the treatment area. So I can't really speak to that. I mean, in our office, we, we charge by the unit, so it's hard for me to say. Okay, fair enough. I've heard of this in Europe where they, um, because I guess, you know, the product itself doesn't last for very long. And so once it's... Oh, okay. So I see what you're saying about that. So, so yes, that actually is a point, certainly. Um, like in our office, basically all I do full time, well, this is actually all I do full time is inject Botox and fillers all day. I'm there five days a week. And so we always have fresh stock. And so Botox, when it's reconstituted, um, it, it's delivered frozen and then we have to mix it with uh, saline. And so basically uh, it does have an expiration date. So, you know, I mean, it can certainly last for, you know, several days, but if you, if you're going to a clinic that, uh, doesn't do a lot of Botox, they they might want to use up all their product. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Because then really what's happening is maybe they're busy, they're not busy enough. So they're not using enough and then they want to make sure that product is used up and not wasted. Right. And I, but I don't really know if that would necessarily happen so much around here. Um, yeah, it's hard to comment. Yeah, no, I totally get it because I think that uh, at Briarwood, you guys are pretty busy anyway. So now in terms of brands, like is there a brand? Like I know that Botox is a brand and Dysport is a brand. Are, are there people who use like cheaper brands from China? Is that something that, you know, we need to be concerned about? Well, essentially, like these drugs are all regulated by Health Canada. So, you know, the most popular brand in Canada would be Botox. It was the very first one that came to Canada. You know, in some other, uh, Dysport would be the second most popular kind. Uh, in some countries, Dysport is more popular because that was the first part that went to that, that country and then Botox came second, you know, based on approval. So, you know, I can't, I can't speak to that. I, you know, I think certainly there are some products that are priced a little bit cheaper. I mean, there's another product called Zeom and another product called Nuceva. And I think there's another one that's come out too now. Um, I can't actually comment as to how much they are. At our clinic, we just use Botox and Discord. Okay. Um, you know, but certainly as a, as a client, you should be asking what product you're getting, you know, and your practitioner should be telling you. 
Okay, so are there ones that, okay, I know, maybe you don't know about this, but I've just heard that there could. <laughs> I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably good that you don't know about this, but, you know, I've just heard that there are some of the clinics that charge really cheap Botox that you don't know what it is exactly that they're putting in your face. I don't know. You know, I, I can't speak to that. I know yeah. I don't really know. I would I would be hard pressed actually, like for, you know, certainly for a registered nurse or like or a physician, you know, they're sort of bound by their colleges, and so that should not be happening. So I, I can't comment on that. Okay, well that's good to know, at least in this area, right? So. Mm-hmm. Here's another trend that I, I have to say, and I'm, I try not to be judgmental on this, but I try not to be, but I've been hearing this trend of very young people, women and men, starting Botox. So what do you know about that? And what have you heard? Because I've just heard this and, you know, you see it in the tabloids and, you know, like 20 something year olds who don't like that little line on their face. And so they're getting Botox. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, to be honest, like it's hard to, it's hard to, you can't really judge it because everybody ages differently. And so, you know, how a 30 year old is aging 40, 50, 60, you know, the 30 year old is bothered as much by their, you know, the beginning of lines as say a 50 year old is, you know, um, you know, certainly a lot of the younger girls are doing it to prevent wrinkles. So they're kind of getting ahead of the, ahead of the game. They typically don't even do very much Botox because they don't have to, because they're just, their, their situation is a little bit different. They don't even have to come as often. They're just, just trying to keep, to stave them off. I mean, like wrinkles are better prevented than treated. Certainly, you know, I don't think, I don't think, a. uh, a young person should be coming in for Botox unless they have an established wrinkle, because if there isn't an established wrinkle, then there really isn't much need for it. Right. Okay. And in terms of the actual effect, so I've also heard this, and maybe this is a myth, but I've heard you can overdo Botox and you weaken that muscle. Is that right? No, that, so, I mean, typically, if you think about how a muscle works, right, so you, you know, you pump a weight, and, you know, you keep pumping weights, and your muscles start to build, you know, so it's the same thing with Botox, so, yes, when we do do Botox, it does cause a little bit of atrophy or, or temporary atrophy to that area, but once the Botox wears off, you know, and those nerves start to refire again, then you just start to, you know, build that up again. And so over time, if you're not going for treatment, you will certainly build back up that muscle. Okay. So there is no permanent, uh, like, permanent, you know, loss to uh, doing Botox. I mean, you know, I get asked this question quite a bit where, you know, if I do Botox, you know, for five years and all of a sudden if I stop doing Botox, what's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, really what's going to, like, what's going to happen is, is that for those five years that you've been doing Botox, where you've been treating it, you're not going to age in that area. But as soon as you stop, you just start from where you were when, when you started. You start uh, aging from that point on. Okay. So let's say I was developing some wrinkles at 45. I did Botox between 45 and 50, and then I stopped. I'd kind of go back to where I was at 45. It wouldn't make it worse, right? 
No, not at all. If anything, you'd be in a better place. I mean, and typically, like, I mean, Fortress is quite amazing. Like, the other time, you know, if I, I have a lady that will come in, and, you know, she's been working on that frown line for a while. Like, it's a very <laughs> frown line. You know, Fortress is only going to do so much. So, you know, we can treat it. it. You know, she'll get an improvement of 80 to 90%. And what I tell people this all the time, you know, we take photos of people when they first start. And every time this happens, I tell everybody, if they've got one of those deep, deep lines, just you're starting, you're starting a process here. So commit to doing this treatment three times this year. And when we will look at the photo a year from that date, when they're coming in, say, for their fourth treatment, they will have no Botox on board and their line at rest will already be significantly better and they're actually coming in for Botox. So over time, we, it will actually correct. The skin will forgive itself and it will correct. Okay. And so you can't, can you overdo Botox? Can you just overdo it? Uh, in what context do you mean by that? So let's say, okay, I do know that different parts of the uh, face, it what is it dissolves quicker like depending on where it is in the face like usually it's 12 weeks right is it every 12 weeks normally yeah some areas don't last as long as others right um sometimes it can be related to dose as well so you know for instance if we're going to do any kind of botox around the mouth area in particular around the lip area you know we don't like to put too much in that area because we use our mouth to eat to talk and so you know you might only get you know six to eight weeks in that area same thing for a forehead we don't, we don't like to put too much botox in the forehead for some people because you know if you put too much in it can drop the brow, you know, so, you know, we want to make sure that we don't uh, affect that. So, you know, it also depends on the person's metabolism, how much they use that area. You know, so, you know, foreheads tend to not last as long sometimes. Um, and eyes, I mean, typically we do treatments every four months, you know, for some people it can go longer, some people can be last, it kind of just depends on the individual. Okay, so if you are one of these people that metabolizes the Botox quickly and you have to do it more often, you're not going to like OD on Botox or anything. And, you know, it's it's not like dangerous or anything like that, right? No, no, no. So, I mean, so typically what the rule of thumb is, is that you shouldn't get Botox more than... Um, closer together than every two months. And so the reason for that is you don't want to get into a situation where you build up an antibody to it so that it doesn't work as well. So for instance, I have a few clients that use Botox for um, uh, Parkinson's or like uh, head tremors or like neurological diseases. So their neurologists will treat them with therapeutic Botox but their neurologists always advise them that if they're getting cosmetic Botox, that they should do it on the same day. So you just don't want to do it too too close together. So you shouldn't be doing Botox like, you know, every month, like a different area every month. You want to keep it at least two months apart. Oh. So you, yeah. And I mean, in terms of the amount, like, like just to, yeah, you, you can't harm yourself. In order with Botox, I mean, you'd have to inject $30,000 worth of Botox to cause injury to yourself. Oh, okay. Because Botox is botulism, right? And is Dysport the same thing too? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they're all sort of, they're neuromodulators, right? So it's more or less the protein that's derived from that. So, um, it, yes, I mean, it blocks the impulses of the nerves to the muscles. That's how it works, and then that just regenerates. Okay, because, you know, some people are like, oh, my God, that's a toxin that I'm putting into my body. So because it's so small I'm right but, but then I mean also at the same time like you know if you're out in your gardening and you put your hands in the soil it's, it's in there too like it, it it is it is pure right right it's not mixed with anything except saline right yes right, right. um okay so I, I just want to get back to this what's the difference between therapeutic Botox and cosmetic Botox. Isn't it the same product? It is. the Essentially, it is the same product. I mean, it has a different uh, DIN number just because, um, you know, the drug companies will cover for therapeutic Botox. So, you know, for instance, in our office, we do hyperhidrosis. So people who have a lot of excessive underarm sweating, a drug company, you know, will cover that as a therapeutic indication. But cosmetic Botox is not covered by any drug plan. But it is essentially the same drug. Oh, okay. Same drug. Okay, so I guess I know that this isn't your specialty, but you mentioned that it can be done for Parkinson's. It can be done for what other diseases? Because I find that fascinating. I've heard of the sweating too much. I think I've also heard of it for migraines, right? Yes, migraines, back pain, MS. You know, it can be used for cervical dystonia, lazy eyes, muscle spasms. It has, you know, bladder spasms. It has, you know, that's obviously not my area of of expertise, but it has a wide use of uh, applications. It really is a wonderful drug. I mean, years ago when I first graduated from nursing, I worked in rehab, and, you know, we had a lot of patients who, uh, you know, in the hospital post-stroke or, you know, MS patients that were paralyzed. And, you know, we used to put these, you know, awful, you know, um, like stockings and garments and splints and, you know, so that people's arms and hands didn't contract, you know. And so, you know, certainly when I started doing Botox cosmetically and sort of what it does, they do use it for that now as well. So just so that people, after they've had an injury, it helps to keep those areas uh, from contracting. It really is a a remarkable drug. That is amazing. I, I mean, I could see it helping for a lot of people. Now, what could go wrong with Botox? Like, so, in, in, I mean, certainly, I can only really speak to what can go wrong cosmetically. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, essentially the worst thing that can happen um, is uh, hitting a muscle that you don't mean to hit, you know, so around the mouth, that can be a problematic if you're doing uh uh, depressor muscle, you know, uh, and you, you know, by accident, you know, you hit um, one of the the lip muscles, and where you know someone can smile, um, uh, their smile can be off, that kind of thing. If you put too much Botox in the forehead, you can cause them uh, cause it to droop. If you don't treat properly in the forehead, people can get a spot brow. You know, so most commonly, the biggest issue is it's really all about the brow shape with Botox. Yeah, I mean, you've I've I've seen that before with women, I guess, where they get the spocky look and the pointed eyebrows, yes. and it's I mean, ugh, 
It's not great. <laughs> no, I know. And so, I mean, typically, and, and to be honest, Andy, like I have tons of experience with Botox and, you know, I can usually mitigate that and prevent that. However, but sometimes you don't really know how someone's going to respond. So, you know, whenever I treat a first-time patient, I always do a two-week follow-up because you want to make sure that they're happy. You know, we have our notes and we, you know, we make sure it works properly. I always guarantee my results and we can look at the brow. And if we have to, and if someone does pull up a little bit, you know, sometimes we just put a little bit of a half unit. It gets a little bit risky because sometimes you, you don't like to treat that ahead of time because if you, you know, if you go too close to the brow or too low, you can cause a droop. So you kind of want to see how... how the brow is going to respond but you know you're right because I mean ultimately with Botox you want to look natural you want nobody to know that you've had it done you know and if you get that spot brow or you you know you're lifting too much you know and you're getting these little sort of clown lines or column lines above your outer brow it's it's immediately a telltale sign that you've had Botox oh yeah I guess you would know that because you've got an eye for it so you could tell where people do it and uh and where they don't and where they maybe made a mistake, but it can be rectified and rebalanced if a mistake is made, right? Like you can kind of well, fix it. Yes, yeah, certainly with a Spock brow, 100%. You can definitely 100% calm that brow down and people are good as, like, it'll be perfect. You know, if you get a bit of a, a lowering of the brow, like, um, you know, the brow ptosis, we call it, that is a little bit difficult to treat you almost just have to sort of push through it and wait you know it's not an expected outcome so it's not going to persist for the whole time that you have Botox but I mean sometimes can last two three weeks but that doesn't happen very often okay okay well especially not if you've been doing it for over 20 years right it's happens less no you're right I mean to be honest usually when I treat someone for the first time like you know what am I my my things is is that the only thing I'm going to warn you about is that you're going to like it because you know essentially that's what happens. It's just such a does such a great job. It makes you look fresh, makes you look rested. You know, to be honest, Botox quite often lifts the brow, and so it just makes you look more awake, makes you look less tired, makes you look fresh. And so, you know, we kind of have this saying that when you do Botox, it makes you look six years younger. Yeah. You know, it really helps to brighten up the face. A hundred percent helps to brighten up the face. It's a great treatment. Yeah. So let's move on to fillers. Fillers are a totally different cosmetic injection. And you sometimes hear people getting them mixed up. Can you explain what exactly a filler is? Sure. Um, so Botox basically works most commonly in the upper phase. And uh, it's a medication injected with an insulin syringe. There's no downtime with it. Uh, works within a week and off you go. Fillers are basically an injectable gel. The majority of the fillers on the market are made out of a material called hyaluronic acid. And hyaluronic acid is something that we have in our own skin. All animals have it. So, you know, it, it helps with volume, it helps with hydration. Um, you know, it's actually, you probably see it in, uh, well, you do see it in a lot of creams as well, hyaluronic acid, you know, with helping with moisture. And so, you know, when we get into doing things with the lower face, I mean, when you're, when you're looking at a face and 
you know, you're trying to um, make the person look better. You know, a lot of times clients come in, they don't necessarily even know what is it they need to get done. So um, we're trying to lift it. This is where fillers come in. You know, we can lift the brow with Botox, but then, you know, as we age, we tend to lose volume, we need to sand, we need to plate, we start to lose volume in our cheeks. And so that is probably one of the most common areas that we put fillers in just to help to restore that volume. So, you know, I like to say that we're not, augmenting things we're just correcting things and so you know a lot of times clients would be concerned with uh how the appearance around their mouth looks so but you don't want to treat that area without addressing the cheeks first so it's always like a little bit of an order or a process to do that so anyways so their gels they're injected they last longer they typically last about a year um you know, because it is an injectable material, um, there can be a little bit of swelling uh, that's not noticeable, but you'll, you know, the client will notice it. There is a risk of swelling, uh, sorry, bruising as well, more fillers than there is with Botox. So that is sort of a treatment that you wouldn't want to necessarily do and then be going out for dinner that night. Okay. And I have heard that you can you also shouldn't be working out or anything like that within 24 hours because it can move it or something no it's more about because you don't want to do anything that's going to sort of you know increase increase your blood pressure increase your heart rate it's more for bruising swelling you just kind of want to just stay calm in the face when, and after you have fillers, for the most part, you can go about your normal routine. Just don't work out for that day. And also, it's good to try to sleep on your back for that first night. Okay. And I have to I have to ask this question because anybody who's ever watched The Real Housewives has seen, like, they're pretty, yeah. some of them are really intense with the stuff they do. So, and, and I remember I watched The Real Housewives, I think it was a Vancouver, so hopefully none of them are listening, but, but, um, the cheeks kind of, there, some of the women, their cheeks almost looked like Play-Doh-y, like it was, I don't know, it, they looked so blown up. And you see that sometimes. Like, what's that about? It, it's just being overfilled. That's you it. Know? So mm-hmm. it's just too much filler. And, I mean, that kind of result never happens on a first-time treatment. It's usually someone who just keeps coming and coming and coming, and their injector just keeps injecting them. Oh, okay. So it's just overdone. It's overdone. Yes. Just, it's just got lots of filler in there. It's the same thing with the lips, right? So we know when the lips, it's just the results are dependent upon the amount that you do. So, I mean, lips is something that I do a lot of in the office. Um, and the majority of our clientele are a little bit older. They want that very natural result. They don't want anyone to know that they've had it done. And people are extremely concerned about it. But the problem is, is like, as you know a person walking around in the world you don't see the people that look normal because they just look normal you only see the people who have been overdone so there's a lot of fear Mm -hmm. so because people don't necessarily talk about it I mean the younger people who are doing Botox and fillers nowadays they're much more open about sharing you know what they're doing and it's not a big secret but certainly older generation very private about it yeah that makes sense now, can here, you know, we talked about overdoing Botox. Can f- fillers be overdone 
in the sense that they can actually stretch your skin? Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I don't really, I can't comment on that because I don't think that's not um, something that I would do personally. And so, I mean, the fillers are temporary. They help to hydrate the skin. Um, you know, does it all go away completely? I mean, I think sometimes if you've been doing it over a long period of time, uh, some of it actually might even just stay. So um, it wouldn't stretch the skin, certainly, in, in normal application. Okay, so what could go wrong with Botox? Like, what if it's your, let's say you did lips and they were uneven. Like, is it fixable? What are some of, I'm not saying you had these situations. What have you heard about? So fillers are something, you know, that certainly, you know, a, a person, a client, a patient needs to be a little bit more concerned about who their practitioner and their level of experience with fillers are. There are more things that can certainly go wrong with fillers um, and experience is really important in this area and also knowing the anatomy and also which fillers to use, which plane to put them into the skin and, and how to do them. We know which application, whether you're using a needle or whether you're using a cannula, you know, where the art arteries are. So the one thing that's really great about fillers is that you can completely dissolve them. So if you are not happy with how something looks, there's an enzyme called hyaluronidase and that's injected to where the filler is and it just dissolves probably that's there. So we're very lucky that we we have that. So, you know, to your point with the lips, if there's any problem with the lips, you can just dissolve it if you had to. Oh, that's really good to know. So essentially, could, okay, could permanent damage ever be done if somebody did fillers incorrectly or like can can there be permanent damage from it well i i almost hate to talk about this in this forum because it's extremely extremely rare so this is why it's important to go to somebody who has experience you know has uh support you know um you're in a clinic that knows how to manage complications this has never happened per personally to me but it can happen where you uh, if you inadvertently, uh, if you inject filler into an artery, you know, this is the worst thing that can happen. It can occlude an artery um, and then it can cause necrosis of the skin. And so there can be scarring uh, that can happen from that, you know, very rarely. There's also a risk of blindness if you were to put fillers, you know, up into, uh, in and around the, uh, the mostly the frown line area, if you were to fill that area or in and around the eye. So if there's certain um, telltale signs that happen that you know um, if you're having a complication. So in that situation, you would just put hyaluronides in that area just to help to diffuse it. Oh, I see. Okay, so where would, where are the most popular places that people get filler? Because I've heard of even tear troughs, is that right? That would kind of freak me yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like aging is so different for everybody. And so it's really hard to say. I mean, hands down, the most popular place is cheeks. Because cheeks, I mean, we need that that support to help to 
to um, to lift, right? And so uh, it does a great, it's like the scaffolding of the skin. I mean, you know, another great place to put fillers is into the temples. You know, so those are like certainly temples is an area that no one ever knows has been done because, you know, if you look at a skeleton, you know, of a woman when in their 20s and their 40s and their 60s and their 80s, you know, we start to reabsorb bone, we get smaller, our, our eye sockets get bigger, we hollow out in the temple, we hollow out um, in that oral commerce area as well and so you know the first thing you know that you want to do with those is if there's any sort of structural loss you want to treat the structure so using fillers that um uh, have more of a lifting capacity they're robust I, you know in layman's terms you know to help to sort of lift and then you know you get into later on um doing more of the finesse products works but certainly we can treat tear traps we do cheeks um you know the temple area Lips are very popular as well, and, and not so much to to augment them, um, but more to just to help to correct them. So, because the goal is to look pretty. So, what do we need to do to make someone look fresh better, right? So, to give someone more of a hydrated lip that's not so sunken and deflated, or you know, you know, years ago when those apple dolls, you know, people start to get really sunken in around that mouth. It doesn't take very much to restore that volume. Looks completely natural, and it just makes the person look younger. Yeah, I, you know, I remember. I can't remember who the actress is, but she was elderly. She was definitely over, I think, seventy-five. She's probably in it around that age, and I can't remember the movie or or what her name is, but I remember noticing her lips. And even though she was elderly, I was like, wow, she looks like whatever whoever did her lips. You obviously know she had something done because a 75-year-old woman typically doesn't have lips that look like that, but she looked beautiful. It wasn't overdone. But here's another question. If you did do your lips, does it make you talk funny or no, different? No, not at all. Uh, I, I mean, if you do too much, it can, certainly. Or you might be a little bit swollen for the first couple of days. And so you might be a little bit, it does not make you talk funny. Botox in the lip area can make you talk funny because it's working on the muscle. Right. So Botox, some, you know, you, a lot of the young girls you, you hear where they talk about the lip flip. Yes. You know? So they they do a little bit of Botox um, in that upper lip area and it rolls up that upper lip, but it comes with a price. You know, when you do that, you know, you can't whistle as well. You can't suck from a straw as well, you know, to say P's and V's. But it's really individual. Some people, it doesn't bother at all. And it kind of depends on how you use those muscles. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. So you could essentially do the same effect of the lip flip that like that minute, meaning nothing major, but with filler. Right. And it would last longer. Yeah, essentially, a hundred percent. Like instead of because, you know, typically you see, like I know me when I think about women who get their lips done, I think of the duck lips it doesn't have to look right. like that, right? No, not at all. I mean, if someone has a really fine, fine lip where they don't have much of a lip at all, that's a little bit more of a challenge because they don't have as much tissue to work with. And so you got to be very easy with the, with the filler and use a very lightweight filler, not very much. But if you have a, some body to your lip, you know, but you've just lost it, it's very easy to replace that and for it to look 100% natural. 
Oh, amazing. You know, and also it depends on the products that you use. And so this is the other thing, you know, when you talk to consultation, right? So you're, you know, you're speaking with your client and like, what are, like, what do they want? You know, you know, cause if you can kind of gauge, you know, you might have a younger person, you know, typically in our office, if I have a younger girl for lips, I know that they want more of a hydrophilic lip. They want, they want more, like they want a juicier lip, you know, but then, you know, if I have an older person who's really nervous, very apprehensive, you know, they want no way to know. So then, you know, I, I change my products accordingly depending on what it is that I'm trying to achieve. Okay. So you have different filler depending on, what the person wishes to achieve? So we have we, we do have some control over that a hundred percent as depending on what we're trying to do. You know, and certainly like some fillers are are more for lifting, and you know, and some are more for detail. So depending on the area, you know, so you know you wouldn't put a filler that you use in lips to do someone's cheeks. So it's just different products. You know, uh, every line, you know, the most popular lines, Juvederm, obviously, there's Restyl and there's TOCL. Yeah. Those are the, the most common hyaluronic acid fillers. Uh, and, I mean, they're all fantastic, to be honest. They're, they're all great. You know, some are better for some indications than others. You know, they're all, they all have lidocaine uh, in, the, uh, in the product. So as you inject it, numbs. You know, we numb the skin beforehand as well when we do fillers. So, I mean, it's not fun, but it's, it's certainly is it, it's something to be afraid of. It's a great treatment. And does it take a long time to do? Like, how long does it take to do somebody's lips with filler? bit longer because that's you know it's pretty detailed right so you know um that's a good question how long does it take i mean you know typically you know when we're doing like lifts and botox or fillers and botox you know we usually do it like a 45 minute length appointment you know if we're doing sort of a full face where there's you know uh, a lot of work being done it might be an hour but you know it certainly is uh, doable within that time frame And what about pain? Everyone wants to know about pain. Okay, Botox is pinchy, right? Yeah, it feels like a little mosquito bite. You know, it's not fun. And I mean, certainly, like if it's before your period, don't come because it hurts a little bit more. Oh, good point. Good point, Jenny. What about filler? How much does that hurt? So, well, you know, it depends on the area. Like some areas hurt more than others. And so, you know, and sometimes it depends on the different techniques that we're doing. You know, cheeks are usually pretty good. Temples are good. Believe it or not, tear troughs are usually fine as well. Where our nerves, you know, originate from and where the majority of them are is all around the mouth. So those areas are more sensitive, you know, into that chin, you know, around the lips are very sensitive. But the good thing about lips is that they are mucous membrane. And so we have a numbing cream in our office that we get compounded at a pharmacy. It's quite strong. And so we numb the area and it numbs quite well. You know, so, I mean, if someone is extremely, extremely nervous of pain, we can do a dental block, but we don't do that very often, very rarely. Most people can uh, uh, manage that, manage it uh, just fine. Okay. So let's see if I, I know that because we've been in COVID for like ever, it feels like. Um, I'm not sure how much is talked about, and I know we briefly discussed this before, but up-and-coming procedures. Like, I actually watched a, a video on Profilio. Profilio? Profilio? 
And I guess that's hyaluronic yeah. acid. It's just, I think, can you explain how it's done? It's a little different. Yeah, I'm not actually, I can't really speak too much about that treatment, but, you know, from my understanding, we have some treatments here in Canada that are very similar to that. So there's a treatment called Restylane Skin Boosters, and then Jupiter also has a product called Full Light. And so, like, hyaluronic acid hydrates the skin. That's why it's in skin cream. You know, the issue with hyaluronic acid is that it has to be cross-linked in order for it to last. And so, you know, basically, one of those treatments is delivering microaliquots, so small little drops of those fillers all over the skin. And it does a really good job, helps the skin radiance. It just helps the skin to behave better, makes it, you know, I don't, I don't want to say thicker, but, you know, one of the excuse me, whatever really challenging area for us to treat is those smile lines. Like, I'm not talking about the nasal labial folds, but those those lines that sort of go up the cheek, you know, when somebody smiles. And they're only there when they're smiling, but at rest, they're not. You can't fill a line unless you see it at rest. And so, you know, you put one of those products in it, it's one of those hydrating booster products, and you just sort of pepper it into that area, and it just makes the skin so that it doesn't, when you smile, it doesn't, uh, it maintains its integrity. So, um, you know, to your question about COVID, I mean, our, the industry has been doing a great job and all of the different companies have been doing a wonderful job of doing a lot of virtual events and virtual conferences, um, which have been lovely. And to be honest, I've been able to participate in more of them because I don't have to travel and I can just do it from home on my computer. But the one thing that's missing is, is the interaction with your colleagues you know at these at these events and so you know you certainly you know can reach out on telephone call or that kind of thing but uh it will be really nice when we get back to being able to have conferences and and being able to have live events as opposed to doing virtual events but i mean certainly you know i work with plastic surgeons and so you know, there's a lot of uh, certainly meetings. You know, we get access, first access to all the new things that are available and what's coming down the pipeline. Have you heard of anything that you can give us a hint about? Some um, cool stuff? Not, not really. I mean, like, it, the industry has developed, like, there's so many awesome things. I mean, yes, there's always new lasers that will come out. There's There could be a new product, you know, uh, but the applications are kind of the same, you know. So, you know, uh, in terms of something new and great and wonderful, not really. I mean, the, the latest thing that has been new in our industry has been the suspension sutures. And so that would be the newest, newer treatment, you know, they're, the InstaLift sutures, they're only health can they're the only ones that are health Canada approved. And so, you know, it's for that client that has sort of reached optimal lift with fillers and Botox is looking for that next best thing before heading to having a facelift or they're not a candidate for facelift. You know, so you know, that is an option. But uh, as far as anything new and amazing, you know, I, I can't think of anything offhand that's is earth shattering. Is that the threads or something? Is that what that is? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. So it just got approved in Canada. I've seen that. Well, I think it was January uh, last year that it got approved or this year, but yes, called Canada approved now. And what do you, have you ever done those on anyone? Yeah, no, Yeah, no, we have. You know, it's, 
It's a great treatment. You oh, know, really? it's a procedure. It's it's a sterile procedure. Like, you know, that is uh something that you certainly want to go with someone who's experienced. Um and yeah, I have to say our clients have been very happy with the results, very natural looking. A little bit of downtime, but not a lot. Um and the threads last for two years. That's such so a long time. To, we still have to wait and see, like if it does last that long. But it's like anything; like you can't just do one thing. Like with our industry, you know, beauty—it's—it's it's everything. So you know, it's—it's it's your skin, staying under the sun. It's your lifestyle. It's your nutrition. A little bit of Botox, a little bit of filler. It's your mental health. It's all of these things that you know to really help with our beauty, right? Then you may you throw in an insulin of suture there, you know, you do a peel, you do an IPL for sun damage. It's I find the majority of our clients, it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it all pulls together and you just look fresh and rested. Yeah, you know what? I actually love it. You know me well enough now that I, you know, I love the microdermabrasion and the IPLs and and all of that because I do my best to stay out of the sun. But it's almost like the stuff that I did when I was 18 keeps creeping back up to haunt me. So, Well, that's actually what they say. They say the majority of your sun damage is done before the age of 18, which is like why all our children, I mean, I have a 24-year-old a and an 18-year-old and, you know, I always protected their skin. Like, you know, I'm like the sunscreen Nazi and so... Like we, all of our children nowadays, they've got a, a way big heads up advantage over what we did when we were kids with the baby oil and the iodine oh, yeah. and all oh, the rest yeah. of it. Because <laughs> that's the worst thing for your for aging is the sun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, but, but I, I know. All my all the young all the young girls that come in, and you know that's what I always talk is make sure you wear your sunscreen. Make sure you wear sunscreen. It's just so important. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. But, you know, I was also one of those kids that was slathering the baby oil and the coconut oil and tanning oil and all the things. So anyway, is there anything that you would like to add to close off? Um, yeah, I don't Oh, actually, I mean, I think it's been it's been wonderful to talk to you. I mean, you could certainly talk about this topic for hours. Um I guess what I would like to say is that not to be afraid of it. I mean, a lot of people have fear. And so, you know, certainly, you know, don't be afraid to go in for a consultation to see a provider. And, you know, you'll get a good idea as you're speaking to them if, if you feel comfortable. And, you know, and also, you know, be aware that you can be in control and in charge of your treatment. So you don't, you know, to your point earlier, Sandy, where you're saying that people feel like they're, you know, being oversold or they have to do this and do that. You don't have to do that. You can, you are very much in charge of your beauty and how you want it age, you know? Yeah. And then I guess the last thing that I want to say is, is that aging is not unattractive at all. Like it, it, wrinkles are not unattractive. You know, it's not about wrinkles. It's about looking less tired, less angry, less sad. And so, you know, we can do all of those wonderful things with Botox and fillers. Yeah, I love that, Jenny. I love that because, you know what, you clarified a few things. And I think it's very important when somebody walks in to a spot that they 
want to have a consult with to feel comfortable. I think that's key. And to not feel like they're pushed into doing something that they're not comfortable about doing, like finishing up that bottle, <laughs> even though they don't want right. it and they don't need it. And um, definitely the just getting what you want is key, right? For sure. A hundred percent. And, and you are very much in charge of that. And, but obviously your practitioner, they also, you do have to listen to their input because they also have lots of experience. And, you know, sometimes what you, this happens a little bit in our office, what you think you need to get fixed isn't necessarily going to make the biggest impact for making you look better. Totally. That makes any sense. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. I think it's a balance, right? Like it's a balance. It's whatever your your nurse or your doctor is suggesting and then whatever you're comfortable with. And then there's that trust factor there, right? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, but don't be afraid. That's all I would like to say is, you know, uh, you know, there is that right injector out there for everybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming, Jenny. I really appreciate our chat tonight. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sandy. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and helpful. Bye for now.